Welcome to the Wisdom and Wellness Parsha podcast, a weekly Eden Center podcast featuring Rabbanit Shani Tarragon with insights from the Parsha about women's health, relationships, mikveh and well-being. This podcast is hosted by the Eden Center that is transforming the mikveh experience by educating women how to use mikveh as the natural platform it is to connect to women's health, well-being and healthy relationships. Read our weekly blogs on a range of fascinating topics, download our wonderful publications, learn about our Balaniyot and Kala teacher trainings, and support us at theedencenter.com. Rabbanit Shani Tarragon has been a leading force in women's Torah learning and in Eden's work, and we are honored to combine two of her passions, Torah education and empowering us about women's health and well-being. Without further ado, Shani. Welcome back to Eden's Wisdom and Wellness for Women Parsha podcast. This Shabbat, we have a double Parsha of Bahar Bechukotai, the two Parsha with which we end the theme that we've been developing over the past few weeks in Sefer Vayikra of understanding the amorphous concept of Kedusha, relating and ultimately getting close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, not only through the Mikdash, as we find in the first 17 chapters, but then in the ensuing chapters and parshiot of Kedushim and more, seeing how Kedushat Adam can extend even beyond the Mikdash through the choices of our behavior, seeing how Kedushat Hazman can be extended through our declaring subjective times of recognizing Hashem as the God, God of our history and nature. And in this week's parsha. We're going to hear an extension of Kedusha Tamakom. If the first 17 chapters of Sefer Vayikra were focused on how to develop an intense relationship with God through the domain of the Mikdash, then now the Torah introduces us to something beyond. You can also relate to God beyond the dimensions of the sanctuary. They're going to be extended to the entire Eretz Yisrael. And here we see the beautiful, then, elaborative idea of Kedusha Tamakom. The Torah begins, the Parsha of Bahar begins with mitzvot that were given by Har Sinai, teaching us that even those laws aren't going to be linked to a particular place, but actually they're going to apply once we get to the land of Israel. And we hear the laws of Shemitah, which we had already learned about in Parshat Mishpatim, but there in Parshat Mishpatim, Shemitah was more of a social law, very similar to resting on Shabbat, to make sure that everyone rests around us, to make sure that everyone enjoys the produce of the fields of a Shemitah year. But here in Sefer Vayikra, now Shemitah has a different focus, Shabbat Lahashem. It's our way of recognizing that the land ultimately belongs to Hashem. And that's going to be the basis for the continuation of the parsha that focuses on the laws of Yovel, the Jubilee years. The Torah tells us, You're going to count seven cycles of Shemitah, seven cycles of seven years. And beyond the 49th year, on the 50th year, you're going to declare it a Yovel year. Once again, to God, a Yovel year wherein you recognize that you've been leasing this land from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and before you renew your leasing contract, first recognize that the land is God's. And not only are you not going to work it then for two years in a row, year 49 and year 50, but we're going to restart that relationship with God through this year of Yovel, through understanding that we basically are, are merely renting and leasing this land from Hashem. 
And notice how it begins with counting years, cycles of years. This is supposed to remind you of two other times where we've had counting in Sefer Vayikra. We have had this within the context of Kedushat Adam. Do you remember the Zava woman, the woman who has had strange and bloody emissions? She has to count seven clean days in order to reestablish her state of Tahara. And then we had in last week's Parsha, counting seven weeks from Pesach to Shavuot, creating Kedushat Hazman. And now we have counting seven years, creating Kedushat HaMakom. A beautiful idea then of counting as being so essential to all three aspects of sanctity, of person, of place, and of time. And we're going to elaborate on this, Bez Hashem, this Tuesday night. Everyone should definitely tune in to uh, Seven Different Perspectives by Seven Women about these weeks of Svirata Omer. And certainly the idea of counting days is going to be essential. So I look forward to sharing all those ideas then, but at the same time recognize that we've been counting then days and weeks and years in all three aspects of a relationship with God and the sanctity of person and of time and of place. And as we look then at the laws of Yovel and Parshat Bahar, we see that after teaching us of the basic idea of not to work the land and the blessings of God that will accompany us through not working the land, we hear of five different segments that are going to be part of the overall Parsha of Yovel. They begin in chapter 25, verse 25, hearing that if someone is indigent, if someone is poor and cannot support his own land, and he must sell his land, there's a separate mitzvah that the closest relative should purchase the land from him so that even before it returns to him in a, in a Yovel year, it should still stay within the family identity. The Torah then continues to tell us, well, it actually depends. If he sells his land, his bayit in a walled city, in an unwalled city, but the basic idea is teaching us that even before Yovel is declared, there should be a relationship between the person and the land. And even if it's sold to someone else, Yovel comes along, it goes back to the original owner set by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, almost as if we press restart at the end of 50 years and show Hashem that we've been leasing the land from him by renewing our contract and going back to the original terms. After these two parshiots relating to God's control over the lands, we have a very strange mitzvah that actually doesn't relate directly to Yovel, and that is the mitzvah of the prohibition of rebeat. When you loan your loans to people, make sure that within Am Yisrael that you do not charge interest. But this is not a particular Yovel halacha. Why is it right here in the middle before continuing with the next two parshiot that relate to Yovel? Namely, if a person is so poor that he has to sell himself as an employee, again, what we call the laws of Evid Ivri, then even if he decided to stay beyond his six years, he returns or basically is going to leave his master in the 50th year for Hashem to remind us, The master isn't a master. Hashem says, I'm the master. Just like I'm the master of the land, I'm the master of people as well. And this is what you have to recognize during a Yovel year. And certainly then if a person sells himself to a different nation, it is going to be incumbent upon the family and members of Am Yisrael to redeem his identity and sell him out definitely by a Yovel year to get him out of that foreign power, out of that foreign identity. 
So back to the mitzvah or the prohibition of rebeat. Why is that in the middle? We have two laws of land, two laws of uh, of people, of slaves, of the the avadim. That a yovel year reminds us that Hashem is the master of the land and Hashem is the master of the people. But that's exactly why Rebit is right in the middle, reminding us that throughout the entire year, God is also the master of our monies. And even our hard-earned money is really God's. And therefore, we have no right to charge anyone interest. If we have the ability, and thank God, to be able to help out other members of Am Yisrael and offer them loans, don't then, again, like the banks do today, don't use this as a business opportunity because God gave you the money really to be the shaliach, to be the intermediary, to help out someone else. It's God's money, just like it's God's land and just like it's God's people. We're going to focus now on a commandment that we find within the context of the, of the laws of Yovel. In Perik Chavhei Pasuk Lamid Vav, the Torah tells us that with regard to uh, this prohibition of rebeat, you're not allowed to take Neshech Bitarbit Reita Melokecha Vachai Achicha Imach. The Torah commands us to support our fellow Jews who have fallen into financial straits, requiring that we support him so that he shall live together with you. This is our wellness point of the week. We find that this is a mitzvah, making sure that we take care of ourselves, but we also take care of others. What's interesting then is that the Gemara, Mesachab of Metziah, Daf Samach Bet Amun Aleph, cites the famous ruling of Rabbi Akiva, who extrapolated from this pasuk the fundamental rule, Chayecha Kodmin L'chaye Chaveracha. V'chay Achicha Imach, he says, your life, though, takes precedence over the life of your fellow. The fact that the Torah requires enabling our fellow to live together with you indicates that our own needs take precedence. V'chay Achicha Imach means you have to make sure that you're okay, that you're living. Therefore, one is not required to give staccato to an impoverished fellow if that requires sacrificing his basic sustenance. And the famous case that's told there above in Metziah is one wherein Rabbi Akiva issued this ruling with regard to two desert travelers dying of dehydration, one of whom had enough water to save either himself or his fellow, whereas Ben Petura required the traveler with water to share the small ration with his fellow, even though they would both then die. Rabbi Akiva argued that one is permitted to preserve his own life before sharing with his fellow in need. And this is very strange, especially because this week and these weeks where we celebrate Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva's teachings, we remember his students who unfortunately did not necessarily incorporate all his messages of we're wondering wait a second Rabbi Akiva speaking here about the importance of us taking care of ourselves even before the lives of someone else and Rabbi Akiva who on one hand says all of these is also the same Rabbi Akiva who's willing to give up his life at the end of his life as we know in when we hear of Rabbi Akiva who is going to be tortured to death by the Romans. And we hear him saying how he awaited the possibility to fulfill the mitzvah with your entire body. So we're a little confused. On one hand, Rabbi Akiva is teaching us that 
we should focus on our lives, that we have to make sure that we preserve our own life before sharing with our fellow in need. On the other hand, Rabbi Akiva feels passionately about martyrdom, the famous story of him dying and being executed by the hands of the Romans, and being grateful that he can commit his life to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So how do we understand these different teachings of Rabbi Akiva? Rabbi Akiva, who is also quoted in the name, again, Rabbi Acha says in the name of Rabbi Akiva, Mesachet Shabbat, Dafa 16, he says, if a thief is found in B'machteret Yemateh HaGanav, we know that one is allowed to, uh, to get up, Gan haba lahargacha hashkem lahargo. And Rabbi Akiva says, Lo mitzvot bahen. The mitzvot were given in order to enable us to live. And therefore, if we can't live, then we're allowed to transgress the mitzvot of the Torah, except for the three cardinal sins of shvichut amim, giloy arayot, avodah zarah, except if it's a time also of shmad. But otherwise, Rabbi Akiva says, the whole point of life is to be able to live with the mitzvot. And if it means living, and then you're allowed to transgress certain mitzvot. But a life without the mitzvot, whether it be the mitzvah of Talmud Torah, the mitzvah of Giloy Arayot, if it's a time of shmad of persecution, then, and you can't live a life of mitzvot, that's when Rabbi Akiva speaks about martyrdom. A life without mitzvot is not a life worth living. But a life with mitzvot is a life about sanctifying every single day to God. And that's why you have to take care of yourself and make sure that you can live. Rabbi Akiva's Chayecha Kodmen Chayecha Verecha based on this week's parsha, V'chayachicha Imach, certainly dovetails beautifully with his teachings as well from Vayikra Perik Yudchet, V'chay Behen, V'chay Behen, V'lo Sheyamot Behen. We're supposed to live with the mitzvot. And then it's also strange then that in Masachat Eruvin, we hear the story of Rabbi Akiva, who was taken care of in prison while he's incarcerated by the Romans by his faithful student, Rabbi Yeshua Hagarsi. And we hear that every day Rabbi Yeshua Hagarsi would bring an, a, a tiny amount, basically rations of water and food. And one day the Roman officer spilled some of the water and... Rabbi Yoshua comes to Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Akiva sees the small amounts of water and Rabbi Akiva says to him, Yoshua, you know that I'm old and my life depends on you bringing me water. So what am I going to do now? My life is endangered. And Rabbi Yoshua explains to him that the Roman officer spilled some of it. So Rabbi Akiva says to him, give me that water so that I may wash my hands. And Rabbi Yeshua says, wait a second, if it's not going to suffice for you drinking, how is it going to suffice for you to wash your hands? And he says, what can I do? And I will not transgress the halakha that my, that my fellow sages have taught, namely the halakha of netilat yadayim. He says, this is a time of shmad. It's a time of conversion. And this is when we have to sanctify our lives through mitzvot. And Chazal say of Rabbi Akiva then, if Rabbi Akiva is so scrupulous while he's in prison with his behavior of mitzvot, how much more so that we have to be when we're not in prison. Something certainly to take from these days of quarantine. Yes, we know that now the mitzvah is not to daven in a Beit Now there's a mitzvah for us to be so careful about our lives and making sure that, of course, that we don't endanger someone else's life. This is a time 
wherein we learned from Rabbi Akiva what it means not just to die al Kiddush Hashem, but Rabbi Akiva's primary message is live al Kiddush Hashem. Live with the mitzvot. Show that mitzvot provide for life. And thank God that we're not put in an opportunity or under the dangers today of conversion. It's not as if we can't keep mitzvot because again, of any type of religious persecution. Rather, it's in order to fulfill this mitzvah of what we had learned already in Bachai Bahim and all the more so now Vachayachicha Imach. To uh, try to help out our fellow man to look beyond ourselves, but make sure that we put our own lives, as Rabbi Akiva says, put your own life first. Make sure to take care of your health. Make sure to put your mask on, as we always hear on the airplane before you put the mask on, uh, on that child or on the person sitting next to you. Take care of one another by taking care of yourselves. Wishing you all a Shabbat Shalom of health and well-being. Please join us for an incredible evening featuring seven women who will share seven perspectives on mikvah, taharat mishpacha, and marriage. Tuesday, May the 19th, 8.30pm Israel time, 1.30pm EST. Pre-registration is required and you can do so at www.theedencenter.com slash seven voices. And now it's time to conclude Sefer Vayikra with Parshat B'chukotai, a beautiful idea that we see from the first four words of Parshat B'chukotai, im B'chukotai telechu ve'et mitzvotai tishmaru. The first four words serve as an acronym for avot, teaching us that the greatest role models of example, teaching and instructing us how to walk in the path of God are none other than the parents. Yes, that places a huge responsibility on us, but also enjoins of us to set ourselves as the proper role models for our children. The parasha then continues with the consequences of both of the rewards that Hashem promises B'nai Yisrael for observing the mitzvot, including the promise of abundant fruit. The tree in the field will produce its fruit. Rashi cites a beautiful midrash from Torah Kohanim that surprisingly explains that what type of fruit again will, or what type of trees will produce fruit? The trees in the field, says Rashi, these are ilanesrak. These are trees that do not ordinarily bear fruit. And the blessing of God is that even the trees that we wouldn't expect to bear fruit are going to do so. When we properly observe the commandments, Rashi explains that even those trees are going to bring forth fruit. The Svata Met offers a beautiful insight into the significance of this promise. He writes that just as some trees naturally bear fruit and others do not, similarly, people are naturally inclined to bear fruit, to experience enthusiasm, display vigor in regard to some areas of Torah study and observance, but not in regard to others. And we all know this. We get excited perhaps about Tanakh, less excited about learning Halacha. We're excited about certain mitzvot and maybe not about others. Within ourselves, like in nature, there are Ilanei Sarak, says the Svetimet. There are parts of our being that are emotionally sterile and incapable of feeling excitement and vitality. 
This Van Emmet interprets this midrash to mean that if we overcome this natural sterility or indifference or apathy that we have, and we succeed in generating fruit of enthusiasm, even for those areas of Torah and those mitzvot which do not at first arouse interest or evoke excitement, then Hashem in turn will produce fruits even from trees that are naturally incapable of bearing fruit. Hashem will allow those other blessings of us that are hidden, those latent talents that we have, that latent passion and enthusiasm to be expressed. Chazal are alluding to the importance of devoting ourselves to and even generating a degree of passion for those areas of Torah study and Torah life that are not always so appealing to us. There are numerous portions of the corpus of Torah which people tend to find uninteresting, and there are numerous mitzvot which we might have difficulty feeling passionate about. Chazal are urging and challenging us to approach the totality of Torah and the entire range of mitzvot with hitlahavut, with enthusiasm, to feel passionate about every aspect of Torah knowledge that we can acquire. And they're telling us it's there, it's latent within uh, our own perspective, within ourselves. Again, you can bear that fruit. And here we're all like Ilanisrak. Sometimes we think that we're incapable of experiencing certain excitement or fervor in a given area of Torah for a given mitzvah. But this week's parsha encourages us to generate interest and excitement, to recognize the great privilege that we have to follow the mitzvot of Hashem. And then we find that if we don't, unfortunately, there are going to be ensuing punishments. This is clearly the subsequent aspect of what happens then if you don't sanctify the place that God has told us to sanctify. Hashem says, then I'll create a rift between you and that place. Then then there will be which we already discussed is a technical separation, a rift in our relationship. And it's up to us, says Hashem, whether or not we're going to be able to approach, approach the mitzvot properly and take advantage of the three realm that we've been discussing in Sefer Vayikra of person and time and place to develop a relationship with God. And that's why the most remarkable ending of the parsha, the remarkable ending of all of Sefer Vayikra is going back to the very beginning of Sefer Vayikra. Do you remember Parshat Vayikra? We heard that the only way that we can really get close to God is if we take a korban and based on the mandates of God, bring it to the mikdash at certain times and with certain intentions and only certain species of animals. And now at the end of Sefer Vayikra, we learn what are known as the laws of Erchin, the laws of hektesh, we can take anything. We can take ourselves and depending on the physical labor and the physical value that it would have, donate that monies to the mikdash. Donate your table to the mikdash. Take the financial value that it would have. Again, donate your car, so to speak, to the mikdash. You can donate anything to the mikdash. A remarkable expression of kedushat Adam. Hashem says, if you understand what it means to take the lessons of Sefer Vayikra that you learn through the Mikdash, even beyond the Mikdash, then you can actually bring them back to the Mikdash. You can be the one to initiate. Other than what God has already set aside, whether it's Ma'aser, Bechor, Chirim. But other than that, Sefer Vayikra ends with the most empowering mitzvot, namely that we then can decide what we're going to bring to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And recognizing at the same time that there are certain things, for example, ma'aser, we don't choose the 10th. That's going to be what God demands of us. 
Ela Hamitzvot Asher Tiva Hashem et Moshel Bnei Yisrael Bahar Sinai. They may have been given by Har Sinai, but they relate not only to the Mikdash, they relate to Eretz Yisrael. They relate beyond the place of Har Sinai. And they're not just going to be stuck in time of thousands of years ago, they relate till today. Anna, they relate then beyond just Adam coming to the Mikdash and certainly following the mandates of God. Sefer Yikra ends by saying, be involved with these mandates, bring of yourselves to to the Mikdash. Show that we are active participants in this relationship, this intense relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Wishing you for Parshat Bahar and Bukhukotai, the bracha of Ilane Hasrak, of even perhaps those more technical aspects of Sefer Vayikra or the very technical aspects of our lives, whether it's uh, changing diapers or cleaning kitchens, whatever it may be, or opening up different parts of the Torah that we never saw were really so deep and beautiful. May this week's parsha remind us that Hashem wants to bless us with the bracha of Piriyah V'Riviyah, with the bless- blessings of uh, passion and enthusiasm in every aspect of our learning and our living. Chazak, chazak, benit chazak. Join us for another in our sexual health series with couples and sex therapists dealing with challenges to intimacy during dating and engagement. Tonight, Thursday, May 14th, 9pm. Register to get the Zoom link at theedencenter.com slash intimacy. Is there someone in your life that you want to honour? Someone who has helped you out or inspired you? Maybe it's a medical professional or a teacher or a yoetzet who went above and beyond to help you. Or a yard site or death that you want to mark. Please consider making a donation to support this podcast in honour of a special person in your life. This episode of Wisdom and Wellness was recorded by Shani Tarragon. Music courtesy of Shimona Gottlieb and is a product of the Eden Center. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please give us a five-star rating, share this podcast on social media, and encourage others to subscribe. We welcome your feedback, sponsorships, and support. You can reach us at www.theedencenter.com.